Welcome, listeners, to this very special Vetfolio educational podcast sponsored by Vets First Choice. Today's session is a unique opportunity to listen in on a session that was originally held at the Western Veterinary Conference in 2019. This panel discussion features guests who will be exploring the challenges and solutions to meeting client expectations in the digital age. Covering topics such as the integration with digital pharmacies, the changing role of Facebook and social media, online client management and communications, and more. We know that you'll leave this session with fresh ideas on how to tackle the digital challenges of today and tomorrow. This session features veterinarian, author, world-class speaker, and thought leader, Dr. Dave Nickel. Dr. Nickel has held leadership positions and ownership stakes in some of the United Kingdom's and Australia's largest veterinary practices and spends much of his time now helping individuals and businesses around the world harness the power of leadership, marketing, and people. Joining Dr. Nickel on stage is Stephanie Foster, practice manager for King's Veterinary Hospital in Loveland, Ohio. Stephanie is cross-trained in all aspects of the hospital and brings a unique focus on marketing and IT activities. She also works very closely with staff training, client communications, and maintenance of records. Stephanie was instrumental in the launching of the practice's online pharmacy, and we know that you're going to be interested in her insights. So, without further ado, let's dive right into this special long-form podcast with our guest facilitator, Mr. Eric Garcia. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Eric Garcia. I'm an IT and digital strategist. I work exclusively with veterinary practices, and I am beyond honored and humbled today to moderate this panel with two of my very esteemed colleagues who I'll allow to introduce themselves here in a moment. The focus of our conversation today is how to utilize technology to meet our clients' expectations. And I think for many practices, it's, it's pretty safe to say that We've probably looked at technology as maybe an inconvenience, as yet one more thing that we have to do or one more thing that we have to manage and practice. And really what we want you to do today is to understand that technology, if used correctly, can make you more efficient, but can also help you have a better relationship with your clients. So with that, I would love to, uh, for my, uh, my esteemed panel here to be able to allow them to introduce themselves. Uh, so I'll lead with Dave here. Sure. Uh, my name is Dr. Dave Nicholl. Um, I've, I've been owned multiple veterinary practices uh, in the United Kingdom and in Australia, um, from larger multi-doctor, multi-site uh, practices to smaller, um, more boutique-style practices. Written three books. Uh, the first of the books was called The Yellow Pages Are Dead. It was about marketing and practice in the digital age. Uh, and I do a lot of work using a lot of technology uh, in the education, training, coaching space uh, within veterinary medicine. So, uh, so that's me. Nice to meet you all. And I'm Stephanie Foster. I am a practice manager of King's Veterinary Hospital um, in a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I speak pretty regularly uh, to folks just like you about how, how do we use um, the digital space to improve our practices and to benefit um, our practices and create revenue centers outside of, of the building. And um, so I'm happy to be here and join you today. Awesome. <laughs> So I want to start off the conversation by really focusing on technology as a disruptor, right? So I, I want to kind of look at 
uh, companies like Uber, companies like, like Netflix uh, and Amazon, and how they were a disruption to, to the organizations that they're heavily competing against, uh, and how their failure to adapt to their clients' demands, these uh, you know, sh uh, brick-and-mortar retail stores, uh, blockbusters of the world, taxi drivers, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about how a failure to adapt to technology and the dangers of, of doing that um, and, and what happens if we fail to embrace the reality that we're seeing in, in, in practice today. Yeah, well, I, I, this is a, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to come at. And, and I think if we, if we could actually just deconstruct very quickly, if you looked at taxis, cabs right now, or if you looked at cinemas, um, or if you look at just about any of our, our brick-and-mortar traditional stores, they're all getting absolutely... Look, the, the Internet has been a wrecking ball through all of these industries. Taxis, for example, Eric and I went to a, a meeting yesterday, and, uh, and Eric, you said, and I'm going to shame you here, he's like, how do I actually pay for a taxi? Like, I actually said that. Like, I mean, how do we even get in a taxi to start with, right? Because every other time I've gone anywhere with Eric, it's an Uber. Like, it's a whole, it's, you know, it's its own name now. Like, that's a verb as well as a noun, right? So that's the sort of disruptive effect. How many of us uh, buy things on our phone? Just put your hands up in the air. First of all, you've all got your phones. Don't switch them off. Feel free to use technology to shout about how awesome this event is today. But how many of you actually purchase things using your phone? Or use that in the buying decision cycle, okay? How many of you see an advert, jump like an advert, a print advert, and you go, hey, that product looks amazing. I completely believe everything the company's telling me about it. Let me get my wallet out. Bing! Right? No. Well, maybe that was the baby boomer way of buying, but it is not the millennial way of buying, right? Um, so we, we, are, we are now involved in this much more complex buying process. And, and, and what we tend to do, and I think one of the mistakes we make as a profession, is thinking we are different. Okay, and we are different. We are a bit special. Like we, we have that going on, right? Acknowledged. But we're not different in the way that you know, our consumers, our customers are not different in the way that they're buying and choosing our practices. Okay, and it is not a straight line of, oh, I saw an advert for them and I'm going to bounce in the front door. It's, oh, I heard they existed or my pet had some sort of issue. Someone in the doggy park said something about them that was okay. Now I'm going to cyber stalk their butt all over Google, and I'm going to check out their Facebook page, look at all their content, and that's how I make decisions just now. Um, so I think that the disruptive effect of technology is immense. It's an enormous mistake for us to imagine that we're immune to that. You know, we are an evidence-based profession. We like to pride ourselves on this. We will discount anecdote the drop of a hat. Right? We, we, when we come to making decisions about medicine, we want double-blinded, peer-reviewed studies. Well, we just have to look around outside our profession. There is plenty of very non-anecdotal evidence of things changing uh, and changing very dramatically for in industries that have been caught sleeping. Now, one thing kind of protects us a little bit, and I think there's legislative instruments. I mean, like, thankfully, people have to go to veterinarians. But if you think you went to, to university, that's how you got your degree. Hands up who's got a, 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 a DVM, who's got their, their veterinary degree in this room right now. Put your paws in the air. All right. How much debt did you get in to get that qualification? <laughs> yeah. A boatload. Was that? Was that what you said? I thought that. I thought there was more colorful language from the front there. Okay. But that's not what a qualified opinion looks like online anymore, is it? When Eric posts something on, some, on a Facebook page and it gets a whole lot of these, that's now a qualified opinion. 
So our, our battle really is a battle for relevance, and I think that's why we must, must engage digital tools for me. Stephanie, do you feel like there's a disconnect, uh, and, and I think you have an interesting story that we're, we're going to get to, but do you feel there's a disconnect with the technology that we're using in our daily lives and, and a, a typical veterinary practice? And, and maybe speak to before you've made the changes that you made in your practice, which we'll dive into a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that we have our real life. So what we do in our daily lives, I am purchasing from Amazon Subscribe and Save. It's how I bought diapers for my daughter. Um, you know, it's I did not buy a single Christmas present this year um, from a brick-and-mortar store. I ordered on Amazon. Um, and so we have these things that we're doing in our real lives. I, I buy my groceries on shipped. It comes to my house. And yet we weren't using those technologies in our practice. And so there's definitely a disconnect between who we are as individuals in the veterinary or in our real life space versus who we are in our vet life space. And we're not embracing these same technologies in our practices. And so, you know, we, we didn't have an app and we didn't have an online pharmacy and we didn't have all of these things. And, and we were pretty quick to market. Um, but I still see there's tons of veterinarians that are using Amazon, they're using Uber, they're using Shipt, and yet they don't have an app in their practice. They don't have an online pharmacy. And so there's a real, there's a definite disconnect between what we're doing at home and what we're doing in, at, in our work lives. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think what would be interesting, uh, for, I think with practices, I, I will say one thing with the profession that I, that I do give the profession credit for is that I think veterinarians have been known to be slow to adapt to change uh, for, for years. And that's, I don't think that's a secret to any of us that we have not been looked at as the revolutionary industry that's spearheading new things. But I will say that I do feel like as a profession that veterinarians now are more interested in how technology could actually help their practices. And so I'll challenge the both of you with this question. How, how would you sum up the benefits of technology and practice. So how would you sum up the benefit of having a practice app, automating your reminders, utilizing uh, your online store efficiently? How, how would you summarize that, the, the advantages of that in practice? For, for me, I'd go straight to leverage or leverage. Le le yeah, leverage? I'll take my Scottish accent and <laughs> say funny words. It, but it's, 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 a, it's the leverage that you can gain. For me, it's an you know, the way that, that we will always be able to generate revenue in our practices is going to be through surgical procedures, diagnostics, and prescribing. You know, they're, the, they're the things that are preserved to us. But the way that we work is not an efficient way of working. Um, and technology does a couple of things. Number one, it compresses time immensely quickly. So now, now we, we know we can get things done way faster. If you think about how long it used to take to turn blood results around or get things back from the laboratory, it's just not like that now. Everything's point, point of demand, point of care. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then it's freeing you up to do other things, things that you can charge well for, that have high margins, and that you are the ones that are uniquely qualified to do. That is that people aren't going to take away from us. Because again, like we, we, there, there is an awful lot of erosion of what would have been general practice. But general practice, by its, be its very definition, <laughs> isn't a niche. It's everything. So it's, it's absolutely open season for, for that. And that's what we've seen is the erosion of our traditional base. So finding ways to, to do what only we can do really, really well. Yeah. I think technology offers us that opportunity. So it allows you to spend more time bonding with that client in the exam room and, and really getting, addressing their needs and not focusing on this noise in the background. That right. Well, so a, gr a great example of that might be... Um, 
traditionally, and I spend a lot of time in the exam room with, um, with doctors, watching how doctors interact with clients. And in a lot of practices, um, it, that, that's, that moment there is, we've not cultivated anything around it. So the client's coming in cold, um, with, with either with a problem or they're coming in for some form, let's say a vaccination, um, and, and there's a, so much opportunity for us to educate that client before they walk in the front door. Um, but a lot of us aren't taking that opportunity. Um, and so they come in, and, and there's three words I think that are really, really important. And, and this whole relationship that we have is founded on, on one word, and that's trust. Because people know us, they like us, and they'll build trust in us. And they will step up that pyramid, if you like. And once they get to the point of high trust, then we're in a really, really solid place to, to, to basically leverage off that relationship uh, and that's when they will start to say yes to your recommendations. So again, show of hands, like how many doctors, you get sick and tired of saying something to a client and they say no, even though there's something you know you can fix in front of them. Put your hands up in there if that's a frustration for you. Like, like clients don't always say yes to you, right? And then they walk out the door and it's one of the things that breaks your heart as doctors when clients walk out, okay? And I see this written on clinical records time and time and time again. Clients said no on cost basis. Mm. And actually, we know that clients almost never say no on cost basis, unless they really can't afford it. They're saying no because they don't understand it. And there's some sort of disconnect there. Well, I think that's one of the ways technology can really enhance us because the pre like we should really be thinking of the, the whole consult process, for example, and you know, what's our pre-process, like our engagement? How do we trigger that consultation or that examination to happen? Um, how do we uh, get them educated prior to them walking in the front door because once they're engaged and they're starting to think about those things we're not setting those little neural pathways off in the in the exam room for the first time we're, we're able to work and build on a narrative a story that they can relate to so when they, when it comes time to make a decision in the exam room they're much better placed to say yes again there's lots of technology we can use in the exam right. space and then afterwards like follow-up reminder sequence, engagement sequences, like again, these things can all be automated. Um, they are really good. But when we talk about that, veterinarians uh, uh, and clinical staff kind of switch off because there's this massive digital edifice. So we're like, oh, like you understand the complex workings of everything from neuroanatomy to, to blood and all of this sort of enzymatic and crazy stuff that goes on in biology. But when it's not real and tangible in front of us, as digital stuff isn't, we're like, Ugh, rabbit in headlamps. And like, so we, we, we just freeze, we get overwhelmed. And so we decide not to act. And that's a mistake. Yeah. Um, so again, talking leverage, that's why it's important to partner up and find people who get this, who can help you to do more of the stuff you're great at. And it's just a smart play. You, you, know, you play to your strengths. Like if you want to run smart businesses, play to your strengths. Right? If you suck with people, find a good people person to team up with. Right? If you suck with digital technology, find a good digital technology partner. But as a profession, we should be focusing on the bit that we're really good at and finding partners because we will go so much further and so much faster if we can do that. So you don't have to do this all yourself. You, you choose a solution provider that you trust. That I, I wouldn't even dream of yeah, doing it all myself. Yeah, and I, and I think that's huge. Is, is That's one of the benefits in itself is it's the convenience factor just to the practice just right. by partnering with someone who will take that off their shoulders. Yeah, Correct. Very valid points. Yeah. How would you sum up the benefits, Stephanie? Well, I think I couldn't have said that better myself. Sure. Um, in fact, I wouldn't have said it as well. But I think that um, the other part of that is the visibility piece, right? When you use technology, 
our practice management software, they're great. They're a database, and they keep track of our clients and who they are and their medical records, but they're not equipped to give us the level of visibility that some of these technologies are able to give us, to be able to look at our compliance numbers, to be able to look at our email capture rates, to be able to look at client retention the way that we really need to be looking at client retention. And so I think the level of visibility is huge with, with technology. So do you, so you feel that technology can help increase retention with clients in the practice if it's used efficiently? Absolutely. Yeah. In the last you know, three or four years, we've grown from 93% retention rate to 98.4% retention rate of our clients. And, and part of that is visibility and knowing when they're leaving or, or when they're coming. But also, it's we're meeting them where they are. Right. We're giving them what they're asking for with loyalty programs and apps and online pharmacy. And so we're, we are you know, building that relationship outside of the exam room, and we're touching our clients more frequently. What, so something I, I want to quickly point out here that Stephanie mentioned is she, she mentioned an increase of retention from 93% to 98%. Now, retention is something that I, as, as a technologist and as a marketer, I focus on, right? It's not just getting clients in the door, but it's ensuring that they come back in. I think something that many practices don't realize is that when you make a change in your practice, whatever it may be, today we're talking about technology, but if you do anything within your client experience to increase retention with your clients, that a, a, a 2 3% increase retention could contribute thousands and thousands of dollars to your bottom line at the end of the year. I think if, if, if a practice is truly looking to grow, they're not just focused on getting those new clients, they're taking care of their existing ones, they're continuing to come back. So this way, when they're getting new clients, this is truly how you would grow a sustainable practice. What technology tools, Stephanie, just give us a few examples of different types of tools that you use to help increase that retention. What, what, what were you not doing before that you started to do when you started to notice that increase in retention? Sure. I mean, we always had reminders, um, and those kind of grew organically into uh, digital um, reminder space. And, and those were working, but they weren't moving the needle. Um, the way that we really wanted the needle to be moved. Um, and so in the past three years, we've added an online pharmacy with Vets First Choice, um, and we've added an app and loyalty program. And, and those two things, um, particularly the pharmacy, um, have really just changed our entire space. And we have increased our revenues 50% in the last three years because we had a partner that could give us visibility and be able to help us grow. Yeah, and I, and I want to dive into that here in a moment as well, but, but something that, Dave, I, I would love for you to go over, because it's just awesome, is your, uh, your secret equation. How, how, you, how you analyze if something is even worthwhile pursuing. Um, so there's always an any persuasion moment, and this, this works. This works in, in your exam rooms with your clients, this works. This works if you are convincing your partner to go to see a movie. It's kind of a Jedi mind trick thing. So if you want to get your way with somebody, like work on this, the elements in this equation. Um, so it's A times B has to be greater than C times D. And A is the, the awareness of a problem or an opportunity. Uh, and that may also be partly the awareness of inaction as well. Um, times B, which is the belief, their absolute belief that you uh, or, or the team or the solution we're talking about um, is going to solve the problem. So those two things absolutely matter. Now, on the other side of the equation, oh, by the way, you score these out of 10. Okay. Right? So you get a maximum of 100 on either side of the okay. equation. All right? So then you've got your C. Now, that's the cost. Now, that could be monetary, 
but it's not always monetary. It could also be, you know, there's an emotional cost to a decision, uh, or there's a physical cost to a decision, or there's a time cost to a decision. But for the most part, we're talking about financially, financial cost. And then D, and D is where it gets really cool. Because D are, is the, are the deepest, I've got to say this with a funny voice, <laughs> deepest, darkest fears um, of the person who's making the decision. And this is where, like, the A times B and the C bit are all pretty self-explanatory, um, you'd think. Right. Right? But the D bit is the bit we don't think about. Because the Ds are what stop a decision being made. Okay? So when, let, let me give you the example of, let's say, you're going to do a dental. Okay. All right. Um, so you pick up the lip and you see the teeth that are rotten and they're like piano keys, right? Uh, and there's pus dripping out the mouth or it just went and the smell knocks you over, you know? So there's, there's pretty strong awareness there. Um, is, how is their belief in you as a practice? Now, if it's the first time they're walking through the door, that belief might not be super high. It might just be because as a profession, we enjoy a high trust factor with, with our clients right now. But if you've cultivated that belief, if you've used technology to build um, a position um, of authority, whether that's through producing valuable content, whether that's through then automation or sending out literature, you know, automation to uh, warm somebody up to what you're going to be looking at. Hey, you booked a dental appointment. Listen, we're going to send you a little video on how, like, what dentistry is all about. Or let me introduce you to the doctor you're going to be seeing today. They're a dental whiz. They're, you're going to love them, right? And you see a little video. Um, so, so that sort of that all of that stuff kind of helps in the B category. C, like most of us think, like dentistry is not a big cost. But your clients, like actually, if you're going to charge a thousand bucks for a dental, like as out of their monthly budget, that's probably quite a big cost. It's a big number, right now. D, please somebody shout out. What is the deepest, darkest fear in the, the head of your client when they're going to do a dental? Shout out. They're going to die, right? <laughs> because because they're going under anesthetic, right? Now, on a scale of one to 10, what level of, you know, what number would you give death? Like, is it a one, itsy bitsy fear, or a 10? Like, okay, short of being up here on the stage and having to speak in front of this room, or clowns, there are very few greater fears than death, right? <laughs> That's just me. Good to know. <laughs> right? But they're also going to die because they can't eat, because you're going to take all their teeth away. So they're going to die, they're going to die twice. Right? So if you don't address those issues, again, by aware, being aware that they're in their head, they're not going to say yes. Okay? So that's, that's kind of the power. Once you start to understand that and unlock that, you can start to change the way people think. And by answering those questions, here's the really cool flip. When you attack the Ds and you unlock the Ds in somebody's head, that number doesn't just disappear here. Those numbers flip over onto the other side of the equation and they boost their belief in you as a trusted professional and that's where it gets crazy. That's where the equation starts to massively change in balance. That's where people start saying yes to you. So, you know, I think this is a cool way and this, you, you think about this in context as well. Yeah, I think it's a, just a fascinating way to, to be able to just really kind of understand uh, an issue that you're dealing with in, in practice. Stephanie, I, I love you have an amazing story to share, and I, th I think there's a perspective that you're you're going to bring to this that is is extremely valuable, especially when we talk about technology. So you know, practice administrators, practice managers, like heroes of the practice, right? They're the ones who come to these conferences after you know. If if you weren't here, your owner would be here, and they'd come back and they'd say, "Technology, I, I learned all of this," and 
here you go, right? You're the implementer. You're the person that has to go back and steer the team into using any new technology in the practice. Um, but you have a unique story because you have been able to position technology to meet clients' expectations in the digital age, and it, and it, and it did something for your practice that I don't think many practices see as an opportunity in terms of growth. I would love for you to spend time just sharing your story um, uh, with us. Sure, absolutely. So um, about four years ago, um, we were using a home delivery system um, that was really clunky and we couldn't really, we couldn't get things to our, our clients the way that we wanted to and it was hard to use in the practice. Um, but we, the reason that we were there was because I had done some, I didn't know that they were called time and motion studies at the time, but I had done them and it figured out that with special order food, we were losing our high dent. You know, we should have been just stapling a $5 bill to those bags and sending them out the door because by the time we took the call and we got the information to our inventory manager and she placed the order and she got it checked in and she labeled the bags and called the owner and then we've got the transaction in the end, you know, I'm in Ohio, so, you know, we're on the low end of the wage spectrum. And so, you know, if my average employee is making $14 an hour, multiply that by 1.3 because you got to include your taxes. Um, and we figured out we were spending between 35 and 40 minutes per special order bag of food. And so I really literally was paying people to buy food for me. And so we had this huge pain point that we needed a, we needed a solution. And so that was why we tried home delivery, and it didn't really take off. And so we ran into um, Vets First Choice. We were at a, at a trade show, and we had a list of, of things that we wanted done. And so we said, can you help us with these things? And they said, absolutely, and then some. And we were like, all right, well, proof's in the pudding. You know, prove it. <laughs> and so, and it was my practice owner that had the conversation. He said, well, I'll call Steph. Um, she's your girl. And so I looked at this, and I was like, this is amazing. This is easy to use. We can do this. We can actually do this. And so we implemented it, and it was for the sole purpose of food. And um, so we set a, a drop-dead date. We're not going to do any special orders. After three months from now, we went down to small bags, acute foods, all, the only things that we needed to dispense today. And we said, you're going to order everything else from our online pharmacy. And we were expecting a lot of pushback from our clients. We really did. We thought we had, you know, how to overcome objections when people say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to order online. And surprisingly, we didn't get that. And our clients really embraced it. Um, and all of a sudden, they started kind of ordering other things on our online pharmacy when we made it available. And within a year, we doubled our food sales. And it wasn't because we were recommending more food. We just were getting it to our clients, right? So we're good at loving on pets and loving on people. We are not good at logistics, right? We're not UPS. And so we were able to leverage this system. And so then when we doubled our food sales, we were like, there's something to this. People want this. And so then we decided, well, we're going to start recommending that people purchase some more products on our online pharmacy and be more proactive about it. And that's the unique thing, I think, about this particular platform with Vets First Choice um, is that you have the ability to do these proactive prescriptions. And so we went on a mission to say, okay, if a client says no today and they're going to walk out of the door without something that we either don't carry or they didn't want to commit to today, 
because they were going to go home and check it out online, then we're going to write a proactive prescription for that item. We're going to discuss it with the client and let them know um, this is what we recommend for Fifi, where you're going to get an email today with the product, and uh, when you're ready to order, just click buy now, and, and you, can, you can have it delivered to your home with great results. And then these things started happening, you know, okay, we're doing, you know, at this point, you know, three years later, we're doing $300,000 a year on our online pharmacy. But in practice, the things that changed were, all of a sudden our service sales are going up. Because when you stop pushing products in the room, the preventions and the you know, supplements and food, because we have recommendations for probably 100 different things in the pet's life, right? We're talking about behavior and we're talking about food and we're talking about prevention. And we've got all these products that we want them to use, but we're using up all of their in-practice dollars while they're in the exam room. And so by shifting the conversation saying, these are all the products that we recommend for Fifi. But today let's talk about her preventive care. Let's talk about blood work. And then they're saying yes, because they've got more dollars to spend today because we've shifted the product conversation. And then they don't consider those part of the veterinary purchase, mm -hmm. right? They don't consider their dog food part of the veterinary purchase. Now they're not considering their preventive part of that. While it happens in our channel and with our recommendation, it's still, it's, they don't think of it as every time I go to the vet, I spend. And so we've been able to increase our service sales, which is what we're really good at, and it's what we're most profitable on. And so that has just revolutionized the way that it's changed our culture in our practice. And so, as I mentioned before, in the last three years, our sales, our revenues have increased 50%. We have never been able to move the needle like that before without having a system that we could leverage. Yeah. And so uh, a few things that you mentioned, uh, some things that I find to be fascinating. Uh, well, one question I have for you is, why, why did you, because this is a real fear that I hear from practices, why, something you mentioned that I picked up on, why, why did you fear that clients wouldn't utilize this? Why, why did you fear that they would reject this new way? Um, I think we were just worried that if, you know, we said we're not going to sell this to you in the practice, that we were going to lose the, the visit. We were afraid that they were going to say, I don't buy online. Well, it turns out everybody buys online, right? <laughs> yeah. And if they don't, it's okay. There's a 1-800 number they can call to place the order. And so we knew that going into it. Um, and we were worried that people were going to be um, concerned about, um, you know, PCI compliance, not that they would know that that's the term for it. Sure, but that we was thought boring, yeah. about security, right? And as it turned out, people are used to this platform. You know, they are purchasing from Amazon and shipped, and they've got their subscription services. Um, and so auto ship to them makes sense because they plan their budget on a monthly basis because Netflix and Amazon set that standard. Our, our biggest competition is not the veterinarian down the street, right? We have 15 veterinarian, veterinary practices within a five-mile radius, but they're not our competition. Our competition is Amazon and Netflix and Uber and all of the people that are setting the expectations that our clients now have. They're our competition. They're the people that we have to live up to, you know, the Disneys. And, and, and if we don't do that, we're lost. Yeah. Okay, just one, one, one point on that. A lot, of, a lot of us, and I've been guilty of this myself in the past as well, we look at the, the immediate 
the shopping cart value of, of a one-time transaction. And when that pet owner walks out the door, and let's say if they spend $400, it's a good day at the office maybe, and we worry that oh, but if we don't sell them the, the food now or, or the, other, you know, the, the preventive medicine now, then they're not gonna use it. Well, the truth is, even if you do, they're not gonna use it. <laughs> like they buy it from you, they leave it in, in their shelf. Like I, like I think back to my own family pet um, before I was a vet, okay? And I know as vets are always compliant with everything that we do. Well, we know <laughs> no. studies of people with, with transplants are also non-compliant with their medications and that's kind of a big deal, right? So, but I think back to my family pet and the number of warming tablets we left in the back of the, warming, the, the, the medicine cupboard. They just stayed there. So it's really what we need to be thinking about is effective use of the, the remedies and the medications, but also then it's the lifetime value. And if you can lock that person in, so maybe they don't, they, they, they don't buy the food from you on that day, but they're buying through your channel and they buy 12 bags of food in that year and they buy that because it's now an established pattern for the next 10 years of that, that pet's life. That's a huge thing for the practice and I'm sure that's part of why you're moving the needle the way that you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, we had, to tell a funny story, we had our Merc rep. Um, I, I didn't buy a lot from him. Um, we weren't a huge, you know, customer of his, but he kept coming in, right? He's a persistent guy. Um, and one day I'm walking through the front office and he, he pulls me aside and shakes my hand. Stephanie, I wanted to thank you. I said, for what? And he said, for selling so much Brevecto. And I said, we don't carry Brevecto. And he was like, you're selling a ton of it on your online pharmacy. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we are. And, and the thought process there is it's not the product that we carry in the practice. It's not necessarily what the doctors recommend for our patients. However, I am much happier if we have a patient that gets 12 months of, of a product that I only kind of like or I'm lukewarm about um, than six months of a product that I absolutely adore. And, and that's what we're seeing in our compliance numbers is that, you know, they've got more options. Let's say they move from a different part of the country. They're used to a different product. They're not limited to what I carry on my shelf. And, and most of the time, you know, a lot of these products, there wasn't a reason that we didn't carry Brevecto other than we only wanted to carry one product, right? And so it just, it, it allows us a lot more freedom, allows the doctors a lot more freedom, allows the clients a lot more freedom, which is what they want. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the things that are, that's fascinating as well that you mentioned is, you know, if they didn't buy it then and there, that there's, that there's a touch point that goes out that reminds them. And I think, I think we fail to, and you kind of alluded to this, I think we fail to realize how much we're going over in a 30-minute conversation and that we expect pet owners to remember yeah. um, when they go back home and they either have to relay this or follow up with the recommendation that was made or make an informed decision. Um, and so, I, and, and as a marketer, looking at touch points, I don't think we can devalue the value of, of that follow-up touch point when they're when they're not pursuing that recommendation for a prescription right then and there, um, and the fact that then at that point they have the convenience to be able to, to pursue that recommendation. I think that's that's huge. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that we've done too, you know, kind of on the touch point, is you know we knew our so we have a client that comes in and buys six months worth of prevention today at their annual exam and then next year we're saying do you need more prevention you should right and we didn't have a way to leverage okay let's talk about this 
are you giving it every eight weeks when you remember or did you run out six months ago and you kept meaning to stop in and all of a sudden six months goes by and now you're back in the practice we know you wouldn't have bought six months worth if there you didn't perceive a value and so now we have conversations where if they say you know i just keep forgetting to give it so i just give it when i remember great we have a solution for that you can purchase it in one month quantities on our online pharmacy and have it auto shipped and when the box arrives you open it you give it to fifi and so we've also been able to leverage different solutions because we didn't have the ability to do that in practice to remind them okay it's time it's it's been a month it's time to come pick it up and so we've been able to leverage that as well which i think has been also transformative in our compliance numbers absolutely well this is all wonderful i think if we were to sum up the conversation today i think it's safe to say that that technologies while sometimes it might seem like an inconvenience, it can actually be your friend. To Dave's point, it can allow you to be a better veterinarian. It can allow you to spend more time doing what you should be doing and and being a veterinarian and and being there for your client. There's great revenue opportunities. It's a phenomenal way to bond your clients. Um, And that if if you pick the right partner, that it could be advantageous to your practice and it could take so much off your plate. Uh, to truly help you focus on growing your practice. And, and you are just a great example as, as to how that is possible. I, I think um, I, this is just mind-changing, mind-blowing to me. And it's, it's, I get a little anxious because there's so much more that we can talk about in yeah. this arena. Um, but we want to know what your questions are. So um, we're going to spend a few moments here answering any questions that you have for us. Uh, or for our panel here about any of the conversations that we've had so far, or maybe anything that we didn't discuss that you're curious about. So if anyone want to raise their hand. Is there? Yes. Oh, let me run over to you real quick. No, no worries here. You'll... Hi. You mentioned four things, loyalty programs, apps, online pharmacies, reminders. Those are some things. Could you... Um, Name some of the apps that are useful. Some of the apps sure. that you guys use. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you, you've got a lot of options. Um, we personally use um, Pet Desk is our clinic app, and we chose them because they have a loyalty program. You know, people are used to, um, you know, in, in Ohio, it's Kroger Plus card, right? You go, to the, you go to the grocery store and you rack up points. And so um, we chose to use that same model because people are familiar with it. And Pet Desk has been a great, um, great option for that. Um, they were also able to wrap up our website. And I think part of you know, this conversation that's important is, is finding also um, we're so fractionated because we've got so many different options of vendors for things and being able sometimes to, to wrap those into one package is really nice, which I think is, is something that Covetris is, is pretty focused on. Yeah. Anyone else have any questions? Something I really want to quickly address that I don't think we address, and I'd be interested to hear your, your, your perspectives on this, the generational part of this, right? I think, is there, is, I feel like there's a misconception that when we bring in new technologies, such as the technologies that we've been discussing, that it is very specific to a generation. Um, Do you see clients in in both your practices, uh, do you see your clients of all ages engaging with technology? Um, The the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, look, like, there's no getting away from the fact, and I'll, get, I'll come on to millennials in a little second, but, but, but the, you know, the, the, the greatest growing segments on Facebook, because they're the latest adopters, yep. are still the, sort of mo- the older senior generation that still use the phones. But there's no getting away from the fact, and I think the, the message I would, I would leave you with 
is that you can, you, this, the business is there. The business is going to continue to happen. The question is, do you want the market to go around you or do you want the market to go through you? It's going to do one of those two things, whether you like it or not. Um, using tools that allow you to keep things within your practices, that's the important part. And as this millennial generation start coming through, and it's the biggest generation that we've seen yet, um, they're, they're just ripping up the rule book in the way they interact with people, with businesses. Um, and, and they're all, and we are all increasingly, we're all living in the matrix already. It is perfectly real. Right, so we have to be able to adapt and use the tools and technologies that are out there to, to channel the market through us still. And I think where we've lost is where we've, we've put our heads in the stand and we've pretended it's not happening. Because it won't, no, nothing bad ever happens. Well, go tell that to the turkeys on Thanksgiving Day, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, bad things do happen, or things we don't like do happen. So use tools to channel the, 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 the business with us because we're the best people to be giving advice to pet owners. And we've lost ground to gobby people on the internet who think that apple cider vinegar cures everything. <laughs> yep. Right? And I don't know the last time you looked, yep. but I've never seen it cure lymphoma or parvo <laughs> or skin rashes or anything. Right? So be the person that's trusting. Use the tools that channel that trust through your practices because you guys rock. And, and as a profession, we need to defend our voice and be louder in the space. I think that... that that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes and philosophies, and I, and I tell this to veterinarians all the time, success is the biggest deterrent to getting better, <laughs> right? We, you become so successful in what you're doing. Your, your practices have been successful despite you utilizing technology, despite you uh, using new tools to engage with clients, despite you marketing. But it's that same success when you're looking at new client numbers and revenue and you're saying, oh, everything's great. I'm, I'm fine with how much money I'm making. It's that same success that I'm seeing hurting practices today. I've I remember 10 years ago, I would have veterinarians that would come up to me and they'd say, Eric, all this technology, this is great, this is fantastic, but we're successful without it. Now, they're the front row of, not to say anything about the front row here, but they're at the front row of these sessions saying, oh, I need to do this because my new client numbers are declining. My retention rate is not where it used to be at. My revenue, uh, my product, uh, 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 revenue that uh, products are bringing in is not the same that it used to be. And now they're the ones that are hurrying up to try to turn that shift around because they were so successful at one point. And I, and I think that's something that I live by personally, but I challenge all practices to think about. Don't let success get in the way. You are successful because at one point you continue to try new things. You're successful because at one point you continue to innovate and to enhance the client experience. And you should not forget that the reason you're successful today is because you did those things. I think it's, it's too easy to forget about that um, as time goes on. True. Dad. Awesome. Yeah. Any last minute questions here before we wrap up? We want to thank you all so much for spending the afternoon with us. We hope we, we made it worth your time, and, uh, and we'd like to thank Bet's First Choice as well for uh, having us out here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, listeners, that is a wrap. Thank you for spending time with us today. We hope that you found the information shared in this session useful. If you would like to learn more about this topic, please be sure to check out related programs, which you can access from vetfolio.com. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Vets First Choice, for their support. 
Let us know what you thought about this session and what other topics you would like to hear on a future podcast. You can connect with the Vetfolio team via email at hello at vetfolio.com.